Welcome back to Love, Sex and Magic. Today's guest is a world-renowned dating and love coach. Francesca Hoagie helps women meet the love of their life, helps them overcome dating blocks and self-sabotaging patterns so they can show up to their dating lives as their most authentic self. In this episode, we sat down and talked all things dating. We talked about how the dating world has evolved, what you can do to show up as your best self in the online space, how you can avoid catfishing, what some red flags are for you to look out for when you're dating, and how everything in your dating life is always a reflection of your own self. So let's do it. Franny, it is so, so good to see your face and have you here on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, Mel, I'm so happy to see your beautiful face and to be here. So thank you for having me. So let's get straight in there with all things love and dating. So you've been a dating coach for many, many years. I mean, we met back in, was it 2013, 2014? (laughs) Yeah, I think it was, yeah, maybe 2014. It was a long time ago. feels like a long time ago. (laughs) It does. But you've really been in this space for such a long time and seen it evolve and change. I'd love to hear how you got into this space in the first place. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, yeah, like how you've seen it evolve over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I am a person who just has always been like romance dating was a pain point for me. Like, you know, literally from the time I was nine years old and there was some boy whose name I can't even remember, but I called him on the phone and he said, no offense, but I don't want to talk to you. Like that created the story in my mind that boys don't like me. That really went, I carried that story and that belief into my adulthood. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I was a lawyer You know, I did that whole, I was a corporate lawyer and I had a life that was very successful by a lot of measures, but dating and love was something that just eluded me and it felt so hard. And that just really led me on, like romance was sort of the portal for my own personal development journey, right? So it's like, once I started figuring out like, okay, wait, why can't I flirt? Why... Why is it so easy for so many of my friends to just like go out and meet guys and have these relationships? And for me, it just feels like this painful thing. And I feel so invisible and all of that. And that led me to, you know, doing so much work on myself, really started this journey. And I mean, I'm 45 now and I was, I don't know, this was like in my twenties where I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. I have to learn how to date because I, I want love. Like <laughs> I got to, you know, this isn't just happening. I got to figure it out. And so I really went on this mission personally to like learn how to flirt. I had to teach myself how to flirt, learn how to, you know, talk to guys and be natural and be myself and connect with them and all of that. And so I personally went on a mission of just going on so many dates reading so many dating books, just like really deep diving into it. So I actually just kind of like made myself a dating expert, just yeah. by my, you know, like really like just through my own journey. And, um, and even when I was still aware, I had a dating advice blog because I just loved talking about dating and I loved meddling in other people's love lives. And <laughs> I was totally that person. If you were like, oh yeah, I'm single or I'm dating, I'd be like, okay, what's going on? Let's do it. Let's figure it out. Let's make it happen. And um, I knew that I didn't want to practice law forever. I didn't know what else I wanted to do. And I spent a lot of years 
in that place of just like, what do I do? What do I do? I know you can relate to this, <laughs> right? Like, this is not what, this is just not what I want to do with the rest of my life. And it was in 2012 to 20, I think it was 2012 that I wound up hearing about um, a matchmaker, a black male matchmaker named Paul Brunson. Somebody told me about him and she's like, oh yeah, I follow this black male matchmaker on Twitter. And I was like, what? <laughs> There's a black, like who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> what's going on so I literally like took out my phone and like followed him at that exact moment and then I just started watching him and I was like wow I really relate to this guy and he had such a heart for what he did and he was it was he was so driven by really really wanting people to have love and have like healthy love and beautiful relationships and um, he had, had, he had a finance career, he had an MBA, he left all of that to start this matchmaking business. So I could really relate to him in that, like you went this whole professional route, but then, you know, left it for this crazy job of helping people find love. Yeah. Um, and so he really was an expander for me and I was really inspired by him and, that started my journey to figuring out, okay, is this something that I can do? Um, and you know, he helped me, he wound up being a mentor to me, which was awesome. And I start, so I started as a matchmaker. That was my first foray <laughs> into yeah. the love industry. Um, and I was working actually, I wound up working for Paul. So I was helping him with his clients in addition to working with my own clients. And, um, it just, after about a year of matchmaking, it just became really clear to me that the people that we could match were the people who were really open to really looking at their beliefs, their values, their patterns. And they, they really were, they were committed to doing what they needed to do to make love happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And people who were in that mindset of like, I just have this checklist of these things that I want. And now that I'm paying you go out and find me, you know, a million people that, <laughs> that meet this criteria, even if I've never even met someone who meets this criteria, much less dated them, right? It's like, <laughs> now, <laughs> now that I'm paying you, I get any rocket scientist, supermodel, Nobel Prize winner I want. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, okay, it's really frustrating to work with clients like that because we can't match them because they're so focused on the wrong things and they're not paying attention to themselves. So it's like the coaching is where the beauty is. Like that's where the transformation happens. So I gave up matchmaking for good <laughs> and I transitioned to coaching and that's what I've been doing for the last, exclusively coaching for the last six years. Wow. That is, that's amazing. And it's fascinating what you've shared there is, has been my exact experience of um, meeting Rick, who I consider to be my soulmate. But definitely when I was dating, when I wasn't aware of taking personal responsibility and making the changes within myself, I thought it was all about meeting the perfect guy, the perfect yeah. match that ticked mm -hmm. off every box on the checklist. <laughs> and I would look at this checklist and I realized this one day, I was like, oh, I'm not the person on the checklist. <laughs> I need to become the person that I want to attract, right? And then it became, okay, how can I just become the best version of myself instead of yes. thinking that this incredible, wonderful, perfect match is just going to come in and swoop in, you know? And I right. think like, you know, I, I grew up on romantic comedies. I mean, I don't know what you grew up watching, but for me, it was like, 
Cameron Diaz, Matthew McConaughey, like these, these cheesy romantic. And I was obsessed with them. And I thought that that was what love was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what most people think love is. You know, we have, we have so much, I call it the um, fairy tale industrial complex. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds accurate. Because it like literally starts in infancy when we're read fairy tales and it's all about the knight in shining armor and all of the, the, the princess or the heroine had to do was just be beautiful and passive. (laughs) Yes. Or asleep. (laughs) Or asleep. Like she literally could be in a coma. Like if you're beautiful and you're in a coma, like your prince will come and it's, and and we can laugh at it because it's clearly so absurd but you can talk to people who are like, they are smart. They are educated. They are so powerful in so many parts of their lives. But when it comes to romance, they still have this like magical thinking that it's all about finding the one perfect person and it's supposed to happen and you're supposed to know it instantly. And that's how love happens. And there's so many people who are, um, who are, who really want love who really want that connection and they're blocking themselves from it just by holding on to this fantasy of, you know, what we've been fed through media our whole lives about what it's supposed to look like. Mm. So what have you, what have been like your major discoveries then? Like if it doesn't look like that in your experience, what does it feel like? What does it look like? In my experience, what it, what it looks like is you feeling so confident and connected to your authenticity and you you have the resilience and the inner strength to be vulnerable and to know that that's what it takes and that you can you can be vulnerable and it can feel scary but you can still know that you'll be okay right and when you can show up that way then you're so then naturally attracted and and like you know magnetic to people who are the same like they know who they are their hearts are open they and so they can see you for who you are they're not just projecting onto you an idea of who you are which has happened so much in in romantic relationships right like you they're they're authentic and they're and so they can recognize your authenticity so it's just feels like it, it feels to me like um just, I mean, it sounds corny. <laughs> like, it just feels like being at home. Like, it's just, I don't have to put up any walls. I don't have to put up any pretenses. I can just really have opened my heart to this person and they can meet me at that level, right? Yeah. So you're not like, it's because, I mean, I know that I've been in relationships in the past where I was the one who was, you know, bringing like all this vulnerability, but th- I was with someone who, they just couldn't meet me there. Right. And that's so painful. You feel so alone. You feel so disconnected. You feel so unloved. Right. You feel so rejected. Um, but that's because you're doing the vulnerability work without doing the work on the worthiness. Right. You're not doing the work to get very grounded in the beauty that you are. So you're trying so much to like, you know, convince somebody else that you're good enough. Um, and yeah. you know, that's no Totally. And I completely hear what you say about the projecting onto someone an idea of what you want them to be, but also like you project what you think they want you to be. 
as well. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like, how do we stop doing this? Like, because yeah. it feels yeah. like it's just such a natural part of dating to, and even when you try and be yourself, be yourself, be yourself, you still think, well, I'll be the best, I'll be the best version of myself and present that. <laughs> like, how yeah. do we, how do we break out of that? Or is that just something that we have to kind of get used to and it eventually, you know, eventually dies off? Yeah. Well, it depends. I mean, the way that you break out of it is through understanding that it's going to be uncomfortable, right? So like, if you are, if you are somebody who knows, you know this about yourself, you know that you get in your head, you know that you start just thinking like, okay, he, if I say this, he's going to think this about me. If I say that, he, I don't want him to think. If you start doing that dance all of the time, then you're automatically cutting off a chance for real connection. Just automatically. Right. Mm. Like you have to you have to train yourself to be more present and to feel the discomfort of like, oh, normally I would just laugh that off. Right. <laughs> because I wouldn't I would want him to think I'm cool. Right. I would want him to think that I'm easygoing. But actually how I really feel about this is and I'm going to just I'm going to just say it. Right. Like so you kind of have to train yourself. But I think that even just knowing that about yourself is so powerful, because once you have that knowledge, like. Yeah, I had difficulty being my authentic self on dates, which is really, really common. I hear that mm. all the time. I actually just had a session with a client this morning before this interview, and this is her major issue. She has no trouble meeting men. She's got, that's not, that part is not a problem. <laughs> but the problem is that every time she's sitting on a date, then she gets into this performance mode, right? And so mm. we're breaking her of that habit, but what usually you find is whatever is showing up for you in terms of having difficulty with authenticity and dating, it's showing up in other parts of your life as well. Right. So it's showing up to some extent. It's showing up. You, if you have, if you're a person who's, if you are um, constantly in your head trying to guess how, what other people are thinking of you, that's just a habit that you have. And that's going to show up in other parts of your life as well. So sometimes it's really helpful to go to a place where it's less triggering, right? Mm. Like, so I realize like, or where it feels a little safer. Like, so you're like, oh, you know what? Yeah, even with my friends, I'm so used to, you know, making the conversation all about them and holding back what I really think or how I really feel. And so you can start to train yourself to just share a little bit more. I mean, I, I have so many of my clients do this and their friends will say things to them like, I never heard you say anything like that before. Like, I had no idea you felt that way because they're finally, finally starting to just really, really bring that authenticity to all of their relationships. So I think that's, that's the starting point for a lot of people that I think they can, they overlook because they're so focused on dating, you know? Yeah. And it's like, no, where is it showing up in other parts of your life? Cause you can start to address it, you know, and it all counts. It all mm. matters. It all matters you know? Wow. That is so fascinating. I've never heard that before, but it, I guess like, of course that makes so much sense. Like if it's showing up in your dating life, it will be showing up in your friendships or your work. And if you can address it with like the people that you feel like you could address it with first, then it'd be less likely to show up when you go on a date with someone. It makes complete sense. Yeah. You're just, you're just like retraining yourself, like for a different yeah. way. And I mean, even a really common way, I, this is something I see very, very often. Um, and I, not to be super heteronormative here, but I just do work <laughs> mostly with straight women. So this is my, this is the framework, but this applies mm -hmm. to anyone. Um, I see a lot of women who are, you know, they've got 
big careers, they've got big jobs and they work and they work and they work and they work and they are overdoing, they're overworking, right? When we start talking about, well, why are you working so much? Then it gets into, well, actually they think their value is in overdoing. They think their value is being in the person who says yes to everyone else and takes on this project and helps this person and responds to emails at midnight, right? And so when you start to go deeper into your worthiness and realizing like, oh, I don't have to do 10 times as much as everyone else just to feel good enough, Mm -hmm. right? And I can have boundaries with my work. Then it gives more of a space to start to see, oh yeah, look at these other ways. I say yes to every friend. I go to every party, what even if I'm exhausted, right? Mm -hmm. And when I'm dating, then I'm totally just whatever he wants is how it goes, right? And so when you start to like really see the thread, how it, it runs through all parts of your life, you can start, you know, tackling it in all those different parts of your life. It's so true. And when you're, when you're not in that space of like being a martyr and being everything to everyone and being a people pleaser, when you're in more of like a, a queen energy, a sovereign energy, that it, it, it does something. I swear it like turns you into more, way more of a magnet. Um, and I think, you know, going back to what we talked about with the fairy tale thing, it's all about, um, you know, the, the, she, she waits and he comes. And I think we're kind of, we're so wanting to go against that, that we're going out. Well, I'm not talking about me. I'm in a relationship, but what I'm seeing in the dating world is going out. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? instead of being in this queen energy and, and trusting and not stressing about it so much. Yeah. Yeah. Which can be so hard, right? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, one of the, one of the reasons why this is such a difficult area is, is because we have so much messaging that happens at, in so many parts of our society that being in a couple is better than being single. And if you're Mm -hmm. single, then, well, how long are you planning on being single? When are you going to meet someone, right? When are right. you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? Um, you know, all there's so much judgment about the, and just discrimination, frankly, <laughs> against single people um, in a lot of ways that it, it adds to that anxiety and that feeling of like, oh shit, like I gotta, like, I, where is he? Like, I gotta hurry up and fix this, right? <laughs> I have to fix my life by finding this man so then I can feel accepted and loved and normal. Um, and so the more that you can just recognize that that is a, that is a, a mindset that has driven many, 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 many people into terrible relationships. Mm. Yeah. Really terrible relationships. So moving past this idea, like I would rather be single than be in a bad relationship. I don't like, like it, it is so much better to be single. <laughs> yeah than to be with the wrong person, right? Like spending your life with the wrong person, you know, I know I don't have to tell you, like it's soul crushing, right? It's not, it's not something that I would wish on anyone. So when you can move away from that desperate energy of like, I need this to be complete and move into that energy of I am complete. And now I can be a magnet for what I want rather than feeling like I have to chase it. It's totally like, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, easier said than done though, isn't it? Because I think people that are in bad relationships are often want to leave, but it's, you know, that, that bond of 
you know, trauma and pain is often keeping people together. Um, What are you seeing in the dating space in terms of, because I remember last time I was in New York with you, um, were we in LA? We were in New York York together, weren't we? And that was, I think I was single back then. And I can remember being in the dating space in New York and feeling like, wow, this is wildly different than how it is in England. Um, Because what was happening that then, this is years back, but where people were actively dating five people at a time and being extremely open about that. Is that how, is that what's kind of spread across the rest of the world now? Is that quite normal now? Or are people tending to still to date, you know, monogamously, I guess, like one person at a time? Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it definitely has spread more and it's just because of dating apps. Like, like that wasn't even an option for a lot of people. It's like, where, where would I meet? <laughs> you know, how would I find that many people to date? Um, and now with dating apps, I mean, obviously online dating has been around for 22, 23 years or something at this point, but um, the apps really broke it all wide open. And so a lot of people now are in that multiple dating, serial dating mode, um, which I think can be really helpful depending on where you are. Like, you know, going back to me in my twenties, when I realized like, I don't know how to date, I no confidence. I don't know how to flirt. Like I got to figure this out. It was really helpful to me to go on tons and tons and tons and tons of dates because it was practice. Like I would pretty much go out with anyone as long if he was just decent. (laughs) Yeah. I, I would go because I'm like, this is all information gathering, you know? Um, but, you know, so I think that if you're in that place and doing that serial dating thing can be really helpful to you. But if you know that you're ready for a relationship and that's what you're looking for, it can be a real trap. And that's what one of the biggest problems with dating today is this, this illusion of infinite choice. There's this feeling that there's just millions and millions of people like at my fingertips and I'm just waiting for that perfect match. You know, it goes back to that whole fantasy, right? <laughs> when I find the perfect person, that's when I'll stop. And so there are a lot of people who are really wasting their time, frankly, they're, you can keep going the way you're going and you're still not going to find that person, that relationship that you're looking for because you haven't become the person who's the partner for the kind of relationship you really want, right? And you're expecting that some perfect person is going to come and like just make that magically happen. Um, And it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so what if there is someone listening to this and they are dating, they're going on dates, um, you know, that part of it is fine. But when it comes to actually committing they freak out they push that person they push they push the person away um and so they remain single how can people start to break out of that pattern if it's something that they're recognizing within themselves yeah so it's it's recognizing your pat your particular pattern is so helpful and it's not it's not always obvious to people so for anyone who's listening and you don't know what your dating pattern is <laughs> i would really encourage you to just sit down and just go through the last three to five people that you dated and just, you know, how did it begin? You know, what happened in the middle? How did it end? Just to give Mm -hmm. yourself some information. Um, And not dating at all is also a pattern. (laughs) If you were like, (laughs) I understand there was a time in my life that was my story, right? Um, So if you're not dating at all, that's also a pattern. That's also something to pay attention to. Um, Mm -hmm. So really 
getting clear on like, okay, well, what's the feeling that comes up? Like if I, if I meet someone and they, I don't know where I stand and I feel a little off kilter and I'm in that place of, you know, trying to see if he likes me or get this person to like me or she likes me or whatever. How do you, okay. So how do you feel then? And then if that person then says, Hey, actually, I really do like you. Then what happens? Right. Does it shift now? Is it like, oh, well, oh, well, she's a little this or he's a little that. Like, do you have a habit of now when somebody actually is really present and expressing interest in you? Is that now your cue to find a million ways that they're wrong and, <laughs> and to run away, you know? And so if you know that that's your pattern, then you can start to see it when it happens. And you can just start to check in with yourself and just say like, hmm, this is interesting. Like, why am I responding this way? I know that I get to this place in a relationship and this is how I feel. What's that really about? What would happen if I actually just said yes right now, instead of running away and saying no, <laughs> like I normally do, you know? So it's just like those, like, I think curiosity is so powerful. It's such a powerful um, tool for transformation. Cause if you start to ask yourself those questions then you really will get answers, you know? So you got to make sure that you're asking the right questions. You're asking empowering questions. And that's why curiosity is so great because if you're, because if you say, for instance, oh, why does this keep happening to me? Like, why am I, you know, like, I'm never going to meet anyone. Am I ever going to meet anyone? Like if I, you know, if you start asking those questions from that place, then you're going to get questions that validate that disempowered (laughs) perspective you know well it's because you're to this and because you're to that and because all women are this or all men are that like you're going to get stories to you know fill it in whereas if you just have curiosity of like hmm, i wonder why i do this i wonder why i feel this way like what's like what is this pattern actually trying to teach me you know like yeah. what within myself could, could i am i maybe not seeing here that this keeps happening over and over because you are the common denominator in your patterns, right? And the fact that people have different patterns is proof that like, you know, there, you, like you are unconsciously um, pulling the strings. And so you want to bring your awareness to that. So you can start making a different, you can consciously start making a different choice and training yourself to have just a different set of beliefs. Cause that's, what's really all stemming from. Totally. I think it's also really interesting to look at the pattern of like, look at what the patterns are in your partners, like in the people that you've, you know, found attractive or pursued. Um, That for me was, was very interesting because I realized that there was a certain type of person that I was always attracting and it never, it never went the way that I wanted it to go. It never materialized into anything with like a solid foundation of love and friendship it was all very kind of um, superficial at the beginning Um, and as soon as I started kind of opening my mind to like okay what if that is not my type what if that's just a pattern that doesn't Mm. necessarily need to be like that's my kind of person what if that's just a pattern and actually to find my person I actually needed need to break that pattern um, which is actually what what happened for me Um, so when Rick and I met, we became friends online. We didn't see each other in that way for a few months. And we, talk, we talked online for about four months before we developed, oh, feelings, like this is an attraction, like let's see where this goes. And that was a completely different pattern than, than I'd ever experienced in my life. And 
I'm so grateful that I was open to that because if I hadn't been open to changing my pattern and, you know, um, looking for love in a different way, then I wouldn't have found it. So I think yeah. that's that's really interesting. And obviously everyone's patterns are going to be completely different, like you said, because that's going to depend on our upbringing and conditioning in different different ways. So yeah, yeah. oh, I love that. Your, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what's your take on like, because obviously I've shared my experience, like we, we took things slow because we just didn't see each other in that way. It wasn't like, let's take things super slow. It was like, we're friends. Um, yeah. What's your take on like how fast people should go, how slow people should take it, how soon you should get into a relationship, sleep with the person, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you're a perfect example of how it's different and it depends on what you previously did. So if you know that you're a person who jumps in, that's your pattern, like you just jump right in hot and heavy, you know, then you want to break that pattern of behavior. And so then it's more important for you to take it slow, right? right. If you're a person who you are so comfortable um, being in a friend zone and the vulnerability of stepping into a more romantic place is really, really, really uncomfortable for you, right? <laughs> and so that's your pattern. Your pattern is that you basically, it never goes anywhere, right? It never evolves past friends because you're protecting yourself so much. Then you are someone who needs to move faster, <laughs> you know? So it really, really does depend. Um, you've got to know yourself and you have to know that whatever your normal conditioned response is, is something that you're going to have to be aware of. So you can start to make a different choice and you can break it. Mm. So true. So true. Okay. Yeah. So what if someone is listening, they're dating someone at the moment and they're kind of f feeling a bit frazzled, a bit frustrated because they're being hot and cold. They're giving so many mixed messages. Um, this person that's listening wants commitment, but they're not sure what the other person wants because one day they're saying this, the next day they're saying that. Like, what advice do you have for that? Like, what are some red flags to look for um, to tell that, you know, this person's just not ready for commitment? Yeah, so such a great question, such a huge problem, so much confusion <laughs> in dating for that reason. You're like, the actions, the words are not matching up. I don't know where I stand, all of this. So this is this is how I approach this. So I have my favorite acronym is R-A-W, RAW. And it stands for ready, able, willing. And so this is, if you are dating for a relationship, I really, really encourage you to take this to heart. So you're looking for somebody who is all three, okay? And so I'll break it down for you. So ready means someone who can articulate that they are ready for a relationship. Not with you specifically, but they are at a place in their life where they're like, yes, I am ready for a relationship. And this also means you also, like you were saying before, you have to be what you're looking for as well. So you need to be able to say that. Because I know there are a lot of people out there who they want a relationship, but they don't want to say it because they're afraid of coming off as thirsty or desperate or all of these things, mm -hmm. right? And so you, remember, this, this is not about you're on a first date with someone and you're going, I want to be with you. This is about saying, I'm in the point in my life where I'm ready for a relationship. That's what I'm looking for. Right. Yeah. So independent of her. And so because um, I know there's probably someone listening to this is going, but if he's not. But then I don't want to scare him off because he think he's going to think that means that I want to be in a relationship with him. If he thinks that he's not ready for a relationship. 
So mm-hmm. let him think that. That's not what you said, right? So you have to make sure that your energy behind it is owning the fact that you want love, you want connection, you want intimacy, you want partnership. Congratulations, that makes you human, <laughs> right? There's nothing to be ashamed of. And so really looking for somebody who can articulate that they're ready for a relationship. If you don't, you're really risking your heart. So if someone does say, yes, I'm ready for a relationship, that's what I'm looking for. Okay, great, check. Now we move on to ABLE, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and so we're moving into, can someone, can they risk emotional pain, right? Are they able to be vulnerable? Are they able to be their, their authentic selves? Are they able to make time and space in their lives for another person? Are they able to compromise? And again, these are all things that have nothing to do with you specifically. This is just, are they at a place in their life where they have developed these tools, right? Mm-hmm. And same thing, are you at a place in your life where you have developed those tools, right? So if you, if he, he can say, yes, he's ready. And, and that's more, that's easy to spot because that's like a conversation, right? The ability that can be a little bit more nuanced. So this is going to take you paying real attention, not just to what he says, but also to what he does, right? Mm-hmm. How he presents himself, how he lives his life, all of that. Um, and when you're showing up in your true authenticity, it's really easy to spot when someone else is not, okay? When you're able to be vulnerable and someone isn't, it's really obvious to you, right? <laughs> so again, going like, it's always starting with you. It makes this so much clearer, so much easier, so if you, if you're like, okay, sound, you know, signs seem good. You know, he really seems able, like, okay, great check. Then we move to willing. Okay. <laughs> and willing <laughs> is where we get to you specifically. And this is about, okay, he's articulated that he wants a relationship. He seems like he's actually capable of that. Um, and now is he actually putting in the time and the consistent effort to make that relationship happen with me specifically? Mm-hmm. And I say, like, you have to have all three of those things because sometimes you have somebody who's willing. They're chasing you. They're, like, after you, (laughs) right? But they're not ready for a relationship. Or they're not able to be in one, not a real, healthy, connected one, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe that's somebody who is ready and willing and not able, right? You can have somebody who's able and and willing but not ready. (laughs) You know, like, it's like... I love that. You're a genius. And so it can get really confusing unless you really say like, it's. It, and this is so hard, I think, especially for women because of the fairy tale complex, right? Because of this idea that this is, you know, Matthew McConaughey, he's always the unavailable guy. He's the player guy, but then he oh, meets Matthew. the perfect woman. And because, of, because, he's so, because Kate Hudson, Hudson is so amazing, right? <laughs> he's totally reformed his player ways and now he's emotionally available and he's ready for a relationship and all of this. Like it's a fantasy, right? So you are, and I'm not saying that could never possibly happen, but this is about, do you want to take that kind of gamble with your heart and your time and your life? Or do you want to be smart about it and just really hold whoever you date to the standard of I'm looking to see if he is ready, able and willing. And if he is, then you decide. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the other thing. The fairy tale. It's always about the prince choosing you and you're like, okay, I've been chosen. You know, that is such a good point. You know, all of these movies that we've, that we've spoken about, it is about the emotionally unavailable guy. 
And then the woman is just so amazing that she transforms him and he decides to change his ways. And that was totally a pattern that I had. That was what I kept attracting or what I kept wanting to attract. So it was the emotionally available, unavailable guy. And I'd be like, but for me, he will change, (laughs) you know, and it consistently would like, sometimes it would happen and it would last. And then sometimes it wouldn't happen. And I'd be like, why, why, why isn't this happening? (laughs) Um, And then like with Rick, he was emotionally available from the start and it felt so disarming and strange for me and so alien that I almost pushed it away because it was not what I was so accustomed to. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important thing for people to to hear from, from you. If he's not emotionally available, if he's not willing um, or able, then find someone who is. Don't chase yeah. them because you think it's romantic and, um, you know, it, it's this this notion of like, well, I'll chase them and they'll finally see. They'll finally yeah. see. And finally fall in love with me. Yeah, yeah. It's so, um, I mean, I love everything that you just said. And one thing that I think it's it's what we were saying before, like you, you have to understand that it's going to be uncomfortable for you to do something you've never done before. Mm. Like there is going to be that moment where you're like, wow, this feels weird this feels different <laughs> you know yeah. I remember I had that moment on my second date with my boyfriend I remember he was just sitting there he was telling a story and I was just looking at him and I was like I feel like I could just if he told me this story like a hundred times over the next 40 years I'd be like okay <laughs> it, was like, it was like such a weird thought but I was like I've never sat on a second date and been thinking about like how yeah you can just like I don't know it was just this level of like of just it's a little hard to explain, but it was just such a moment that was so different for me that I was like, I need to pay attention to this. Right. Mm. Um, so, but the other thing is that it's, this, this was a very, very difficult lesson. And I, and I see so many women in this situation that I found myself in many times in the past, which is you are dating a guy and you guys have an amazing connection and the sex is great and you have so much fun together and he still doesn't want a relationship with you. Oh, I feel the frustration of that. <laughs> I feel how that would feel. Oh. And it's so confusing and painful. And it's so easy to get sucked into that and be like, am I crazy? Like, I know that like, we have an amazing time together, right? Like, what more could we want? Like, we've got it all, <laughs> right? <laughs> But he, if he is not, and we have to stop taking it personally because the readiness and the ability is not about you. That's about him. That's about his journey. That's about his belief system. That's about his trauma. That's about his conditioning. Mm-hmm. And you can't fix that for him. That has mm-hmm. to be something that only he can do that work on his own and he may never do it. Yeah. So it, true. But he might you, never do it. Yeah. And it's not your job to, to save him. Yeah. Yeah. But society and the patriarchy has conditioned women. And this is the best thing the patriarchy ever did was to get women to internalize this notion of being chosen by a man is the ultimate achievement. Mm, Yeah. And once we internalize that belief, I mean, (laughs) the work was done. 
right? <laughs> because now there's so many amazing women who they're so stuck in this. They're holding back their light. They're holding back their magic. They're holding back all the love in their hearts. They're holding back their authentic selves because they're living under this lie that there's something wrong with them because they're single. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, it's so harmful, this, this, this thinking. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit preaching because I get so worked up about it. <laughs> Preach away. Preach away. Since, uh... I, I, I truly, truly believe that. Okay. Actually here, here's an example. So you see, I've got plants here. I'm a, I'm a total plant mom. I have like, I don't know how many plants I have, but I, I mean, 50, 60, some, I have a lot of plants, okay? <laughs> and one thing that I really love about plants is that you can really see, there's such a perfect analogy to me for us as people, because you can really see how your plants, they want to grow. They want to grow and they want to thrive. And if they're not growing and they're not thriving, it just means that there's something blocking that from happening. Hmm. They either need more water, less water, more sun, less sun, bigger pot, smaller pot, like there's, you know, there's a fungus, there's always, there's something, right? There's a reason. It's not just like, oh, this plant just doesn't want to grow, right? And that's how we are. <laughs> and so I really see us as the love and the connection and the partnership that we all desire to some extent and definitely different parts of our lives. I'm not saying that everybody has to be in a monogamous partnership to, you know, I'm not saying that, but whatever that looks like for you, Every, we all are born, those are our heart-centered desires, right? And so they are available. I truly believe that's available to everyone. You can have that. Your only job is to make sure that you are clearing whatever obstacles are in the, standing in between you and the love that you want. And those obstacles are 99% what are just our conditioning and our belief system and how we feel about ourselves. That's it. That. so true so true and, and then everything else become if you think you're single because men are non-committal or the city that you live in right I hear that all the time people say to me you don't understand I live in New York it's the worst city for dating you don't understand I live in Chicago it's the worst city for dating you don't understand <laughs> everyone like if you are single and you don't want to be single you think that you're the worst you live in the worst place for dating okay <laughs> that's just <laughs> <laughs> You can really make all of that irrelevant. You can make your age irrelevant. You can make, um, you know, one thing I've, I've been um, talking about on social, um, just with everything that's going on and Black Lives Matter and and this revolution is just happening, which is so beautiful. And I obviously on the political side of things, that's where we need to make change. But there's also this more subtle, personal, cultural side of things where um, we need to recognize that like we've internalized a lot of the nonsense. And so now we've got to clear that shit out so we can thrive. Yeah. Right. And like, and when it comes to dating, there's so much messaging. There's a lot of racism in dating and there's, um, you know, there's very, there's a lot of data about online dating and the data is very clear that for instance, um, there's a hierarchy in terms of who is the most messaged, favorited, responded to online and all of that. And at the top of the hierarchy are white women and the bottom of the hierarchy are black women. And then you've got, you know, 
and Asian men, there's a whole, the, the very bottom is black women, second to bottom is Asian men, <laughs> then Latino men, then black men, then Latino women, then Asian women, and then white women are at the top, right? Mm. And so, so that's just, it's just, it is just statistically true that if you are a black woman online, you're going to get fewer matches, right? And so there are a lot of black women who are like, that they really internalize this idea that I'm not desirable. Yes. And I'm, you know, I'm working at this deficit and people don't want to date me and all of this stuff. And it's like, I'm not saying that that data is not real. It's absolutely real, but you can make that totally irrelevant for you. Mm. But if you internalize that and you start to really believe I'm now I'm at this deficit, you know, and, and this is not just, this is, I'm talking specifically about black women, but this is for anyone. If yeah. it's because of your age or, some people think they're at a deficit because they may, maybe they've been divorced more than once, or they think they're at a deficit because they have kids, or they think they're at a deficit because their bodies don't look the way they think that they should look, or yeah. they have the money, or whatever it is. Everybody has a story, right? <laughs> About why yeah. I, or me, story, right? And you really want to challenge that idea that that's a hindrance to you. No matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter, even, um, I have a friend, I have a dear friend who has HIV. She's um, HIV positive. She's, and she was single when she contracted HIV. She's a doctor. She actually contracted it from a patient, like at a med during a medical procedure. And she had to then be in the dating scene being HIV positive, right? And she was actually a really, she was very inspirational to me because this was years ago when I was in this place of still like, okay, I'm getting my confidence. I'm learning how to date. I'm learning how to meet guys. And she had no problem meeting men. And she told everyone upfront about her HIV status and no one, everyone was like, okay, because she was so strong in who she was. She didn't have any self-consciousness about it. I think it was helpful that it was contracted like in the way that it was probably. So she didn't have maybe the shame associated with that it, like, that some people might but mm. she just totally owned it and it didn't and now I mean she's been married now for a long time to an amazing man they have a beautiful relationship he could not care less yeah. right most of us would think like oh my god if you're HIV positive like you're damaged goods nobody's going to want to date you and it's not true mm. <laughs> it's not true at all, right so we just really pay attention to whatever negative messages and negative beliefs we have internalized and start to question them, start to challenge them, that is life-changing. Completely. And it's so interesting when you shared about the the topic of racism in dating as well. It's this, these unconscious um, biases that we have that we've not fully investigated because they've not they've made us feel uncomfortable or they've, they've not, we've not wanted to kind of go there. Um, but it's really interesting to hear you, to hear you share that. And especially when we look again at all the conditioning that we've had, it's um, a white couple in a romantic comedy. You know, how often do we see massive Hollywood blockbusters that is a black couple or um, a white a woman and a black man or vice versa? You know, mm -hmm. we've not grown up with that with that um, image. Um, and it's this, you know, as you shared about the, you know, it could be that you're paranoid about your age or you're self-conscious about your weight. Again, we've been taught that love 
depends on how you look. It depends on, you know, what your skin color is, what your hair color is, what your body shape is, what your age is, because, you know, older people can't fall in love. You know, it's, it's only yeah. for young people, young, attractive people. Yeah. Um, so it's no wonder that all of these things can hold us back. But I think, you know, I was chatting to um, Dr. Christiane Northrup today on um, we were having a conversation and she was saying Hollywood's losing its effect. People don't care anymore because we're on social media. We're looking at people who we can find people who look just like us, that are successful, that are important, that are fabulous. So we don't need Hollywood to tell us what we're supposed to look like anymore because yeah. we're finding our people on the internet, um, which I think ties back in with what you were sharing about like just being yourself. That's what love, that's where you're going to find deep, deep love. It's not about these labels um, or you know, am I enough this, enough that? Is this, is my hair right? Is my, is, am I too young, too old? Um, when you just, when you just own who you are, you meet, you, you're a magnet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, it's, it, I think another thing, if you're on, if you're in a place where you're more struggling with who you are still, which is a journey that, you know, Mel and I can both relate to very well, um, is to remember that it gets easier, it gets easier. The hardest part, this, this is the hardest step. This is the hardest part is to start. This is the hardest part is to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start to consider the possibility that this belief that I've held about myself for so long is wrong and that it's a lie and that I am lovable and that there are people out there who can see my beauty and all of these different things is just starting to open yourself up is so powerful, but it gets easier. And it also changes who you're attracted to because when you go deeper into your self-love and to, into, you know, your vulnerability, you're no longer attracted to the unavailable guy. I, I mean, I remember when I got to that point where I would like, I would meet a guy and I'd be like, Oh, there's a time I would have been all over this, <laughs> but yeah. I'm not I'm over it. Like I'm not doing that anymore. You know, and so that shift can happen. And then you'll like you're wondering where all of the good guys are like they're there. You're just not attracted to them and they're not attracted to you yet. Mm-hmm. But they will be. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Franny, this has been so wonderful. Um, I love mm-hmm. to wrap up my interviews by asking uh, three questions. Yeah, the first one is, it. what are you loving at the moment? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, well, actually, right now, I'm really loving nesting. Um, and I'm a person who typically, before pre-COVID, I was out all the time. I would, you know, go to, like coffee shops to work or Soho house to work. I was always going and meeting people for here and there. And, you know, my boyfriend and I went out to eat all the time. And now I'm really enjoying the fact that like we cook every meal now and that's actually really beautiful. And he cooks for me almost every night. That makes me really happy. And I tend to my plants and I'm decorating and I'm just really enjoying making our home just like a true, true sanctuary. And that's been really cool. Because normally I'm too busy to be focused on that. Something that turns you on. Ooh. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many things. I'm like personal development. <laughs> <laughs> you 
was such a nerd. I love it. <laughs> Best answer ever. <laughs> oh my god, that was the unsexiest answer. <laughs> I love it because deep down, everyone that's listening is like, "Uh uh-huh, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That and also, um, you know, my love language is acts of service Mm. and acts of service really turned me on. So it doesn't even have to be a big one. So it's just a simple thing is like my boyfriend coming in to bring me a cup of tea. He's like, I thought you might want a cup of tea. I'm like, oh, you're going to get some tonight. <laughs> I love that. Put down that tea. <laughs> the tea was in and the clothes were off. <laughs> it's real racy over here, guys. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay. And finally, when was the last time you experienced magic? Ooh, wow. That's a great question. I mean, I kind of feel like I experience magic every day. Probably the thing that, um, oh gosh, you know, I I guess another thing that I, this is kind of ties into the first question, even though this is a different answer, um, because we can't go anywhere. um, I, the one thing that I have been doing every day is I go and I take a walk. I take a long walk every day. And that's my real like time to think and to meditate and to move my body and get fresh air and all of that. And I've been going, um, like later in the day, like in the evening. And so I I like to be out, you know, you know, this California sun and Mm -hmm. the light is just so, it never gets old. Every single day, I'm just like, I cannot believe how beautiful this is. I cannot believe how beautiful this is. (laughs) It never gets old. There's never a day where I'm just like, oh, whatever. Every single day I'm freaking out. Um, And so I think as I, I'm, I'm so like you, like I love nature and I love being outside and, Every single day that feels like magic to me. I can't believe the beauty of this world. Yeah, I totally feel the same. Oh, Franny, it's been absolutely wonderful having you here. Where can everyone come and hang out and enjoy your beautiful face and your content and all of the programs that you have? (laughs) Oh, thank you, honey. Um, Well, probably the easiest place is um, at Dear Franny on Instagram. I'm actually at Dear Franny on every platform, Twitter, Facebook, I'm on TikTok, not that I, anyway. Um, <laughs> but Instagram is the place where I'm mostly these days. And so that's where you can keep up to date with all the things that I'm doing. Um, also my website, you know, francescahoby.com. I've got an amazing quiz. You can learn your dating archetype. And um, yeah, I mean, we didn't even get into that. It's so good, honestly. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. Well, we will link it in the show notes because I bet there'll be so many people that want to do that. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so, um, and yeah, so it's all, it's all on Instagram. It's all in my bio. So that's how people can find me, at your friend. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in, my love. Thank you, honey. Hey guys, I hope you absolutely loved that episode. If you did, leave us a comment or a review, hit subscribe, and I'll see you next week. As always, come and join us inside the Goddess Collective, where we dive even deeper with our guests, and we have plenty of workshops and workbooks for you to do, as well as an incredible community of women who are on a journey of personal and spiritual evolution. I'll see you next week.